Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. We welcome back to the show everyone's favorite guest, a man who expresses so eloquently what we are all thinking and feeling, but are too frustrated to put into words. The man who leaves us laughing just when we are ready to cry. You guessed it. It's Legal Man. Hi, Legal Man. Hello. Hello. Thank you for for having me. Coming on the show, you. I know that you are. It, it always makes me feel guilty that it makes me laugh. The more frustrated you get, but you are expressing. <laughs> you are. It's like the whole, like the sins of the world, running show. It's like the frustration of the world. You put your finger on it, and then you can express it, and somehow it just. It's maybe it's the catharsis, maybe it's your it's your delivery, but you always leave me laughing. The worse it is, the you know the the more absurd. I guess that's what it is. You point out how absurd it all is. <laughs> well, we live in an absurd world, so apparently there'll never be uh, material run out. <laughs> yes, that is true. So there were a few things. I'm a um, a happy patron of yours, so I've been listening to your extra content, and oh, yeah, you go into some. Uh, I so some of these topics. Not everybody's gonna have heard you talk about, but I heard you talk about specifically the other day something that caught my ear. And Binkley and I both have kind of um, pay a lot of attention to this. You mentioned your news sources, and I mean, un- even even the big news outlets i've i've heard and i'm sure it's true don't even have like city desks anymore they don't have foreign desks as a matter of fact like helicopters all like it used to have all the different news had a helicopter now it's like one helicopter they a lot of these news sources really are just tearing off the telex or whatever from the big centralized news sources so it, all the all the news is coming through this pipe it's mostly propaganda but we can't really, you, me, Binkley, we can't go and investigate ourselves. We have to kind of take that stuff and figure it out. And I call that truth dar, <laughs> you know, that process of discernments, my truth dar. Uh-huh. And we've we've honed ours and the whole basis of our show, the propaganda report, is to take that propaganda and tell you what it really means. And I just wondered, you know, in your experience and how have you kind of honed your truth star? How do you do it when you read like what what how do you assess what stories to even pay attention to? And then when you pay attention to the story, you know, like this thing, dumb example, but like this there there is a lot of examples, but the Swalwell thing with China, all of a sudden it's on every news source and it's hard to know if there's anything there or if it's just a big distraction. And I just right. wondered how you go about that. It's really you know, I it's very difficult to explain to people how to do it, or at least the way I do it, because I really think it's a combination of being extremely familiar with the fundamentals. And and I focus a lot more on what is the narrative they're pushing. When I when I if I look at in stories like I, like I've mentioned, I think in my thing is that most people, all the reports show people, they only read pretty much the headline in the first paragraph or so. That's it. If they even get that far. And so when I read a story, my thing I'm always thinking about is, why is this story in the news? That, that's really what I focus on is, why is it here? And when I think about why it's there, then I start looking at the details. Now, for me, details kind of fall into a couple of categories. One, is there anything in there that's in any way confirmable? And most of the time, none of it's actually confirmable. But there's you know, levels of unconfirmability. They've got statements in there that are just, they're just opinion statements. They're not even an attempt at stating an unconfirmable fact. <laughs> they're just stating an opinion about an unconfirmable fact. And so, say this China story. If I, what, I, I spend virtually no time looking at anything that, that tries to demonize other countries. That's... For me, that's an immediate red flag that the thing's a load of crap because I don't believe the overall narrative that all these countries are really actually at each other's throats. I just think that's ultimately a fake. It doesn't mean that they're not the equivalent of crime bosses who are trying to improve their little territory. I just think at the true macro level, it's not true because... Because the politicians don't die in wars anymore. Now, back when, you know, the, you actually had to lead the country into battle, 
then I would believe maybe you have a legit uh, complaint with the people. But now that everything is a proxy deal where you don't ever actually go fight, now I'm a lot more suspicious when you're just sending someone else to go fight. Eh, not so much. When you're not actually worried the bombs are going to drop on you, eh, now I start really doubting. And so something like the China thing for me, I just immediately discount most of it down to zero because I, it used to be Russia, right? For years now it was Russia. Even I still don't understand why Russia's not a communist country anymore. It says, quote, free and, and, and much of a vote as what we have. It's, it's no different. Why are they even a supposed enemy? At least China, I can understand how people fall for it because they're supposedly communist over there. Um, but you know, as far as understanding the way news is, I really, as you guys already know, it's more of an art form. You have to, you have to see what are they pushing? What are they trying to get people to believe with this story? Because that really is the essential nature. The only reason it's there is is to get people to believe something. Maybe maybe it's only playing a piece of a larger story, or maybe it's a lead-off story, but whatever it is, it's there for a reason because there's countless other things they could be reporting, and yet, as you mentioned, all of a sudden, one story or two stories or three stories just start dominating the news. <laughs> and they're they're just the same kind of information regurgitated and recycled a thousand different ways as though it's new and none of it's ever confirmable. And, you know, I, I go back and tell people, how much time am I going to bother spending sorting whether or not this China thing and is, is true? Because the reality is in, in what, a week or two weeks or a month or something, there'll be another totally different story that'll be supposedly demanding my attention. And it, too, will not be resolved like every other big story is never resolved. There's never anybody goes to prison. Nothing actually it's just sort of tangible ever occurs as a result. All that happens is just billions of hours are chewed up analyzing something that then simply disappears. And, and that's why I'm just not such a huge news junkie anymore uh, because I'm just so, I don't know, I've just become such an expert in reading the news that I can literally figure out what's going on basically by, by seeing a headline and, and glancing at the story. Yeah, Edward Bernays said it 100 years ago in his book Propaganda and his his follow-up books. You don't wait around for a news story to push your agenda. I'm paraphrasing. You, you create it. News right. is created. And that's what we see, whether it's a press release or it's a staged event or sometimes there are real events that happen that do get co-opted as long as they fit into that agenda. I think the key to what you're saying is to being able to see that narrative is being able to look past the blinding red that people see when their emotional <laughs> triggers are pulled into these partisan corners by the news stories because that short circuits that ability to think kind of like in a courtroom uh a trial lawyer might try to do to the jury to get them not to look at the the factual basis but to pull the emotional strings all this stuff with Trump going around filing all these lawsuits, that's all about public relations. Those are staged events in order to create a narrative that, in my opinion, aren't even really about the actual court cases. What do you think about those? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. And 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 before I comment about Trump, let me just say with regards to lawyers, there's an awful lot of that kind of stuff, that kind of posturing that goes on between the lawyers trying to stir lawyers up themselves so to throw them off their own game. Uh, it, it doesn't happen so much in the court, though. You do see it. It happens more in the, what the discovery phase uh, yeah. where you are not technically in front of a judge, but, you know, there's a lot of sort of behind the scenes stuff where they try to make you mad. They try to frustrate you and get you to start, you know, not not addressing the thing analytically, but becoming emotionally attached to these positions. And that definitely is the key to disconnecting people from the thinking portion of their brain into that emotional reaction response mode. And you're right. I think that most of this stuff with Trump, even though I think the evidence for the fraud, whatever you want to call it, fraud, irregularities, the cheating, I, 
technically, who knows ballot stuffing? Is ballot stuffing fraud? I don't know. This is why people run around saying it's not fraud. That's why a lot of the courts are saying that. Technically, there's legal terms, but the impropriety, the insanity that's going on with that, oh, the fact that they have it on videotape and everything else, it's just like, well, <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty outrageous. It doesn't necessarily surprise me, except... I guess for me, the biggest surprise of this story is just how nonchalant they are in their cheating and the, and the amount of stuff. It just makes you think, wow, just think how much has been going on in every single election. They just got this thing down to a science. They're not the least bit concerned about it. They're just not the least bit concerned about being caught or having the thing taped or anything else. It just, <laughs> they're not worried. I almost... I almost want to peel the onion on that and say, why, why is, why are they so cavalier? And I think it ties a little bit into a comment I wanted to make on something you said earlier about the unverifiable information. And one thing that Pinkley and I have noticed for years now is even when there are sources, um, that you can't, uh, they, they don't even reference them. They get into the habit of just saying anonymous sources no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they do that on purpose so that you stop expecting to see sources or notice when they don't actually have a source. But I wonder with this cheating, are they putting it out there so that you get used to it, so you get inured to it? Are they trying to gaslight, I guess you call it, the... The conservatives, I really don't, I just, it's, you know, it's just too know. obvious. I mean, it's just so strange to me. And I've, I've been talking to my buddies about it. It's like, what is going on with this? Because at this point, what they've showed um, to the people who follow that story, who are whatever on Trump's side, or even just somebody who's just interested in an honest election. I don't even know how many people there are like that who do, who aren't, you know, devoted to one side or the other. It's just so outrageous. It's so insane. And yet anybody who's being reasonable and rational has to realize that nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen to yeah. these people. I mean, yeah, I, I tend to think revelation of the method. I just each one of these kinds of things, I just tend to go back to revelation of the method. And oh, yeah. I, I also think that it's a very important and I, I, we've talked about this before, that it's very important in this democracy uh, in order to keep conflict going, because I do think democracy is the opiate of the masses. This idea mm -hmm. that it's we're not being oppressed. It's the guy across the street and everybody has a vote. And I guess, well, I guess most people want it this way, that if they want to actually stir up conflict, and I think they do, because, again, conflict is like war. It's like the health of the state. They have to have it. They have to have fiscal insecurity. They have to have physical insecurity. And that if they if they want to really stir it up, they have to have people not accept the outcome of the election. And I and yeah. I think they can't have enough people to actually rebel, but they have to have enough people so that there's, you know, a, a real threat of riots or whatever. Right. Well, you know, uh, this summer I was talking to my nephew and I told him we were just kind of, he's stuck in Chicago, but I was, I was saying, I think there's a distinct possibility that Trump doesn't win because he is so much more valuable out of office because people grossly underestimate what happens when someone goes, takes office as a sort of second term president, really usually within about, you know, at most about a year, they're kind of dead in the water as a lame duck. And with Trump, he's such a uh, sort of lightning rod that they could, they could pretty much make him irrelevant, you know, less than a year in nine months. He's a, he's a lame duck and, you know, we're just moving on. And it's hard to keep his base agitated. You have him lose. He can stir the pot to the maximum extent possible for those additional four years while he's supposedly, you know, gunning for revenge, you know, Trump 2.0. Or this time like it's serious, you know, like two presidents and two popes kind of thing where right. they right. they have him in the wings. And frankly, I think that he's done. He's golfing like he's just he's an actor <laughs> who's retired. So if he doesn't actually have to hold the office, he doesn't have to show up to all the diplomatic things, to all the the appearances. And someone can just tweet for him. Right. Well, he doesn't actually have to be the man behind that. The the revolt. Right. And I've said for a while that I would have 
I don't believe Trump is legit. I don't. I, Me I, I never. I never really thought he was legit. No. But my, one of the things I use as confirmation that he's definitely not legit is that he did run again. See, any reasonable person who went in there and truly tried to clean it up and who was supposedly surprised by how big the problem was, which is the excuse I hear for about why nothing actually <laughs> happened. Why no, okay, that's the excuse. So I'm just using the excuse. All right, if that excuse is true, you get in there in four years, you've been able to do nothing. You're having all these harassments. I'm just, I don't find it credible that someone who doesn't need that job and that hassle would go and try to run again when it's obvious you can't get anything at all done in four years. You're not going to get anything done as a lame duck in the second term. If you couldn't get anything done the first time, you wouldn't get it done the next time. And, And I would have thought it much more credible that he was in there really trying behind the scenes. If after three and a half years, he said, I'm not going to run again. I've tried. This thing is way beyond what I thought, and I'm out. Good luck to you people. Then I would have said, okay, you know, he might be legit. He might have actually gotten in there and, you know, been shown that whatever the Kennedy assassination from another angle or whatever it is, they those people claim to, to show him as a brooder tape and, and let him know that, you know, if you don't play ball, that, you know, bad things could happen to you. Then I would believe that he was actually just a naive guy and all this nonsense that people spread about him. But that guy would not run again. In my opinion, I don't think that's credible. He could get credibility for himself as being legit if he were to declassify a lot of those things related to Kennedy and others. There you go. It's another good reason. There's all sorts of stuff he could have declassified. All sorts of stuff. He didn't do anything with 911. He didn't even, he didn't go after the birth certificate. He didn't go after anything. He, he played ball in the same way uh, everyone else did. And now he's got the military involved in giving us all a vaccine. I mean, this is just the 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 objective observable evidence to sort of sort of touch on that earlier theme of the uh, confirmable evidence. And you mentioned those news stories is all around us. It's what actually happens as opposed to what they tell us they're doing. It's what we can actually see and what we can see and what we can observe is no progress at all, no consequence at all to any of these people. And so what we have to rely on, if you want to believe in Trump, is supposedly stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And that's, I'm sorry, that you don't, I don't, I don't have that kind of trust level. And that really, when you boil it down, the argument is he has sacrificed everything, everything from $4 trillion (laughs) deficit. No, like he's sacrificed everything in order to rescue children who are being raped by Democrats, which is not like an it's not an issue that people run on. You know what I mean? So so it's not like that's what we story. You didn't put him in there because of that. Yeah, it's a fantasy story. But like we, you didn't put him in there to sacrifice no. all the things that you put him in there for because he found a different problem that he was totally ineffective in stopping. <laughs> right. So well, and he also his his campaign slogan four years ago was not but elect me. And I'll do nothing. But if you elect me twice, then I'll do something. That wasn't his campaign slogan. It wasn't lock her up the next time you you vote me in. It was lock her up. Right. (laughs) People didn't want to face that fact. I agree with that. And I think, you know, another smoking gun with him was uh, to get back to the media issue was that he Unlike Ron Paul, he was really focused on by the media and and by saying by having Jeff Zucker, who was his boss at The Apprentice, taught him how to be an actor, to have everybody point at him and say, boy, he's a Democrat's worst nightmare. Just constant, constant free advertising for that was in (laughs) itself, you know, because nothing is put there and um, by accident. And it's all. Yeah. The, you have to remember thing. that it's all a show. And you were saying earlier about like everything is it's all over every channel. One story It's just all over every channel. Why would it be one story <laughs> all over down to like, you know, this guy rescued a cat. Like, you know, why is that right. national news? You know, something like that. But when I was in England one time, I, I couldn't believe my ears. It was a story about a bakery who was suing for the right not to make a cake for a gay wedding. Mm. And it was in England. And it was oh the, God. at the same time as the one. And I was like, what? no, it's like it was the same time. So I was like, wow. why are they talking about that here? It's not even the same loss. And I was like, oh, it's a different case. 
And of course they lost. Don't you know gay weddings happen at the same time all around the world? <laughs> and that bakers will go to the mat and it's national news. And a similar wow. thing happens to me once. I was in Australia and they were showing, it was a long time ago, so they were showing uh, a lot of gay couples getting married or agitating to get married on the steps of City Hall. And it was the exact same publicity stunt that had happened here at the same time. And the idea that this stuff just emerges organically in all places at once. <laughs> the same scenarios is, yeah, it's not, it's not plausible. So I, ju- I no. do think that it is like completely controlled from top to bottom. And I agree with you to look at like what, what is the agenda and can you verify any of this? But every once in a while, they do throw something out there that I think it, they have to just kind of cover up and they have to address it briefly. And That's then, right. Let it go. And those are the things that I kind of try to figure out. Usually it's when they don't get any follow-up coverage. It's like, whatever happened to that story? Right. It's the same thing with local. A lot of times you'll see the, the, the stories that are interesting to me a lot of times are the ones I end up, people send me, see people send me a lot of stuff too, is that these local stories, they pop up and, you know, they get covered in local stories, but they don't get picked up as a national story. And ultimately every story really outside of these ridiculous giant government stories about the Fed um, are local stories, but then they become a national story. And it doesn't matter if it's some supposed dude who got shot by the cops or something. Ultimately, that's a local story, right? The only reason it becomes a national story is because it becomes a national story. But so many of the interesting stories that are like, ooh, well, that's, that's certainly interesting. They don't ever become a national story. They just stay local and they just go away. Just like the way you referenced some of these big national stories. They they time them and they put them out in a certain way. And in worst case scenario, if it's really a big deal, they just bury it like uh, Barack Obama's birth certificate years ago. It was such a blockbuster story. It was so huge. It was picking up so much steam. And then what do you know? Boom. They got Osama bin Laden. And then right away, the entire uh, story disappeared, never came back. I had it was, a, a couple of things like that. The, re, the It's a red flag to me when a local story for no apparent reason is a national story all of a sudden. Bingo. So like it's the inverse of what right. you're saying. <laughs> right. So it's like the, the important stuff gets buried and the stuff that for some, and then I'm oh, I, whenever I see an, a local story that hits national news, like by the end of the day, it happened. I always flag it because I'm like that. Obviously, it's going to be a terrorist or it's sure. going to be, you know, whatever. So like there's something yeah, and they can just create it through their own, you know, social media bots that they just run on and all this controlled opposition stuff they have. They just put it out there and make it look like a big story, have a quote trending and everybody starts generally talking about it immediately. There's no reason. It's not like it's a, a more important story than all sorts of other stuff. They just manufacture this uh, trend through their electronic giant world, sir, and and the people, instead of stepping back and looking at the thing as a system, they, they get stuck staring at the bark on the tree instead of saying, what's going on here? Why is this story popping up? What is... What is what are they not covering that's occurring at the same time? What's not being included as a result of everybody being overshadowed by this story? That's normally where the real information is, in my experience. And these stories that pop up on Twitter, for example, give the illusion of naturally trending. There's no natural trends here. <laughs> these are organized campaigns with hashtags. I'm going to bring it up again. The, the show Utopia, the vaccine show. They have a scene in there where they're like, all right, let's get this trending. I want it trending in five minutes. And they got a whole room full of people and he's and they 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 hashtag fun, hashtag depressed. They just throw out all the hashtags and they and they get on it and, they, and he's like, I want you guys to have fun with it, but I want this thing a top trend in five. It's like that. I think it's really like that with these organizations that have the power to do it. And if they want to create a new story, they just go conduct a poll with a biased polling and then they, they spread the poll to the other networks like them and, and bam, that poll that they created themselves pushing their own agenda is the top trend in the thing everybody's talking about. No doubt. I remember the, uh, I don't know, it was years, it was at least four or five years ago, the South Park episode when uh, they trolled the entire country. Uh, and I can't remember which country it was, but it was the same kind of thing. They got this group of these supposed trolls, yeah. you know, from the internet in, the, in a room. And they just started, in effect, trolling the country with this fake news. And, uh, 
it's I don't doubt for one second at this point, people don't understand how many of these articles are actually written by AI. These are huge <laughs> numbers true. of stories are written by AI now. And I find it all the time when this ridiculous fake pandemic broke uh, nine months ago and they had some order issued and it was in my county. And so I wanted to go look at it because I was like, wow, that's a crazy order. And I saw multiple different stories repeating the thing and the same kind of information. So I went and actually pulled the order itself and looked at what it said. And it's very clear to me that nobody had actually pulled the order. They were misrepresenting it and it was being misrepresented again and again and again. And in all likelihood by AI, where they just take this one thing, they put it out and then it just multiplies itself throughout media. And there's no actual, there's nothing to the story. It was not accurate. It was a misstatement of what the the order said because legally it was inaccurate <laughs> but was, everybody believed it i was getting texts about it like, oh my god can you believe so i said dude i i pulled the order that's not what it says the, <laughs> that reminds me happens. of another south park episode where there's a manatee inside of a uh an aquarium and it just swims around pushing balls into it. the balls fall and they, they just arrange the balls and, and there's your headline or news story. <laughs> right. right. It's just a show. That's people really need to keep. And I, I don't know why people can't remember that. I guess, I, I guess like you guys have said, you know, they just get there emotionally triggered. They're so identified with something about the freedom or the constitution or hating liberals or whatever it is. They just they can't keep a clear mind. And was it Napoleon who said if, if he can control himself from his shoulders up, he can win the battle? I mean, you have to keep a control over your senses and not allow yourself to just get swept away. And, oh, my God, what a bastard. Can you believe that he tor tortured that kid or what? Oh, my God, they're going to attack us. Like, dude, it's just something somebody wrote down. We, we have no idea if any of this is true. Yeah, I wonder if some of that is, I don't know what, laziness or busyness or something, because I feel like what people do, because I meet smart people who do it, so I don't think mm -hmm. it's intelligence, but I mean, you know, like liberal lawyers who throw the Russia thing in my face about Trump, like, like, hey, I don't care about Trump, and the Russian thing is stupid. So when I say the Russian thing is stupid, they're like, you like Trump? Like, no. But I feel like they have, they are, are, are either committed to the D or the R. Uh, they've or they've made some assessment about because they often attribute I, I call it like personification where you know when like, you take an animal and you give it personal qualities like mm -hmm. I call that when they, when they personify a politician like they, that, like they personify Trump as if he's some guy who hates Obama or he's some guy who's like you know insecure about the size of his hands or he's some, you know like he's a hot right. impulsive like they personify him and then they make this person personality judgment and then they feel like they project all this all of the their personality assessment onto this guy then they they like i'm talking about the witnesses the people who read the people then they have emotions toward they actually hate the guy even though he doesn't hate obama he's not paying prostitutes right. to pee on a fucking bed you know it's right. just stupid and uh and and then that goes right into that whole confirmation bias so that if you if you watch fox or cnn or whatever they'll portray They'll paint the picture that they know their listeners want, and then they'll throw all the events of the day, the agenda items, everything into that. And you're just – it's like reading People magazine, but it's actually much more serious because it's its those emotions that people tap into when – they acquiesce to unjust laws or yes. support candidates who are obviously lying about serious things, you know, and I just it just feels so like personality driven. Like it's not, you know, it is a so I really and I 100 percent agree. The the reality for my assessment of, of news, sports, uh, TV makes no difference. News is presented just like a soap opera, it's there's really no difference. You get to pick kind of the characters you like and you follow along. And 
politics has, has been produced like that, where they have these human interest stories that you can like the guy for certain reasons, you can dislike them. And news is the same thing. And they, and they of course, I agree, they personify, they anthropomorphize these things, these animals, yes, like that's the country, is, yeah. right? They Like the country, they, they become the attached to that. And, 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 they, and we have to defend this, this crazy idea they have in their head called a country. And so the stories, they have a lot of emotional attachment to them, like all oh, the sacrifice and the freedom and or the, you know, the evilness or whatever it is, whichever side of the soap opera you care to pick up on, the people attach themselves to it. And I think they really genuinely believe it's a much more intellectual pursuit than watching the Real Housewives of uh, OC or something else. It's really very little difference uh, between the two or following sports. They're very, very similar. They have the layers, too, where if you're really if you're really low attention span, like you can go for something that's very tabloidy, but right. then you can ascend like up through the New Yorker and right. you know, the Atlantic is kind of descending, but then you get to feel like you're engaged at this high right. level. He's exactly. Flying. Exactly. And you know, it was funny. The other day I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about it a lot recently is that there's just such an overload of information. It's people are in no way equipped to deal with the amount of information that they are given now in the form of what they imagine to be news. I think back to the vast majority of all human history. Most people would never even see a single painting. They they would never see a drawing. They would never see anything written down because they couldn't read anyway. The most they could ever see was they might go into their town and they would see a church or a building and it would have symbols on it. These The symbols would be what they saw and they might see a painting inside or some kind of, you know, sculpture or some kind of rudimentary something. They might see some very, very fundamental art laying around the town, but the people didn't get bombarded with information now. And I really think people need to spend a lot more time sort of decompressing from the information and thinking a lot more about the general concepts. Because I don't know if you experience it with the people who listen to your show, but the people I interact with on Twitter a lot of times, they just literally have never thought about the most basic concepts ever. They don't know what the country is. They don't know what freedom is. They don't know what liberty is. They don't know what their vote is. They don't know anything about all these things they're supposedly so passionate about. They don't know anything about them. What they have is just an ungodly amount of useless information that has a very, very short sort of attention span, lifespan, like buying a, a, a loaf of actual bread without artificial uh, ingredients in it. The thing goes stale in a few days. And most news that people have, it's totally useless after just even a few hours at most a couple of days and they spend an ungodly amount of time just obsessing about the details instead of doing the kind of thing we're talking about which is step back and take a look at the big picture and then just see that for what it is as opposed to the fact that you're just your attention's on it your attention's on it your attention's on it step back and say well look my attention's been on a lot of things in the last six months where does this really fall in that six months as opposed to this 30 seconds i think that that is intentional like i feel like it's like the progressive tax rate like it's intentional to absorb your time and energy and by the time i almost feel like the whole system is made even to fit into a human lifespan like if we lived longer and we were more active longer by the time we figured all this stuff out Mm -hmm. it might actually be able to put it into work (laughs) but by the time you figure it out you're kind of like i am absolutely exhausted i'm making a cocktail i'm moving to the beach right i've already made so many mistakes i'm screwed anyway yeah oh or you're totally invested in this system right. that you misread and now what are you going to do overthrow it at the last right. minute it's like I don't care <laughs> I'm leaving it to my kids and they don't listen to me anyway but this right. brings me to something I really wanted to ask you about yeah. on a more a slightly more serious note but that that I think you're right and if just maybe even saying it will get people to say okay you know spend four hours a week Put the Twitter away or whatever on a Saturday afternoon or, sun, you know, have a no, no screen Sunday and mm-hmm. pick up some books. And for you, I know we've talked before about your kind of um, just touched on your journey. I think you said something like your dad was 
basically a communist and you've yes. been a conservative and then a, maybe a libertarian, <laughs> if I can call you that. And right, there's no chance you believe in the libertarian party right now. But right I now. wanted to know a little bit about that journey and what books that you think have stood the test of time as you have evolved in your thinking, if I can use the word evolved. Some people don't. Yeah. Like and if we can use the word thinking, very loose. <laughs> <too, so. clears throat> um, well, you know, when I was when I was a kid growing up in like the sixties and seventies, like I said, my father he's a, he's a, he's really he was a communist. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, he was. It wasn't like he was a, a rabid red or anything like that, but he was a he was a journalist and he was as as red as you get as far as uh, being able to kind of live in mainstream, and that was a very strange thing for me. <clears throat> Excuse me, mostly because. It was just so obviously not true. And what I gravitated towards in the 70s were books like Robert Ringer used to write. Um, he's a very, very hardcore libertarian thinker. And he wrote a couple of kind of puff piece, more like uh, Wedding Through Intimidation, which is really not one of his better books, but it was a huge, big seller for him. And he pushed very hard right kind of von Mises style economic stuff. And I remember... Going between things like uh, uh, Chomsky uh, when I was much, much younger, like sort of late teens, and um, who's the big Kane, uh, Keynes, and reading his stuff and, 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 and thinking, this, this stuff doesn't make any damn sense. And, and, and yet it's, it was held in such high regard. And so it was confusing to me. And then when I would, when I finally started figuring out that, you know, my father may be a well-meaning guy, but he has no idea what he's talking about in these areas. And that's a hard thing for anyone, you know, especially a son to sort of come to grips with that. Your dad just doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, he's, it's, it's hard to understand that. And of course, I had a lot of relatives. They also, they don't know what they're talking about. Yes, they're much older than me. They don't know what they're talking about. And so I started studying the, the much more the Austrian school and Rothbard and Hazlitt and people like that and um uh who's the french guy uh from Bastiat. the yeah bastiat stuff and you know another thing that uh, that interested me is that they there's a lot of confusing uh sort of libertarian economics with this idea of sort of libertarian politics or libertarian legal theory well they aren't the same legal theory is not is not economics and economics is not legal theory. And there's just a lot of conflating of those two things in the press and uh, the way people talk. They talk about being a libertarian. Most of the time, what they mean there is they don't want a lot of government interference. Well, you could have a monarchy and have the king let you leave you alone. I mean, you could. There's, there's nothing that stops that. It's it's really not a legal theory. It's not a governmental theory. It's an economic theory. And and the way people talk about it, especially on the web and everywhere else, there's just so much, like I said, conflating the two and acting as though being a libertarian means that you stand for the Constitution. Okay, well, the Constitution is, is has nothing to do with libertarianism. It's not an economic document. It's a legal document. Uh, if to the extent it's anything, and so for a long time I was a libertarian, and I and I read a lot of those things, and I believed all of that kind of libertarian economic things. The same thing I believe now, which is that people need to be able to make their own choices. You know, they they need to be able to make their own choices, and the government needs to stay out of our business. And I too made the error for most of well, not even most of my life now. Unfortunately, I'm so old, but the. That that sort of libertarian economics was the same thing as a political legal theory, and they're really not. I thought libertarian economics means I'm a constitutionalist. Okay, well, once I started unpicking what the Constitution actually was, I started seeing after law school that, whoa, hold on a second. These two don't fit together. The Constitution, to the extent it's anything, is not a libertarian document. It's just a legal document. And once I started understanding how the law actually works, I started moving to completely different kinds of people. And Bastiat, of course, is a good one. Rothbard, of course, he's pretty much a, an anarchist for the most part, or very close. And I, and once I discovered Spooner uh, so long ago now, I started discovering a lot more of the, the true anarchists of sort of the 19th century. Like Spencer, he wrote a really famous book, and he was a super famous guy. And there used to be people in public life who spoke about 
what are in effect anarchist principles. Everybody now just thinks it means chaos. It doesn't. It just means that you're not being governed. And it's all about liberty. And Spooner's works, I still think he's just so underrated as a, uh, as a thinker, so underrated, and mostly because he's such a dangerous thinker. I, his books are so dangerous. And because they're not huge, okay, he doesn't write a 500-page treatise you have to uh, get through. He writes a lot of essays, and a lot of his essays are not that long, and they are just bulletproof reasoning. And when you read them, I remember, I remember the very first essay I ever read by him was uh, No Treason. And, you know, it's probably his most famous one. And I just remember after I read it, I just thought, wow, you know, my life will never be the same. <laughs> you know, my, my, whatever it is I used to think, it, it, I have permanently gone in a different direction. I will never, ever, ever put, I've just put away childish things, you know, from the Bible kind of thing. It's just, it's time. And when I read his No Treason, I just realized, wow, there's an entire area of sort of political legal thought I had never been exposed to. And everything I'd been exposed to before that, it became very clear to me the reason I hadn't been exposed to Spooner and had only been exposed to these other things because Spooner's stuff is devastating to the official narrative. There's just no way to read Spooner and come away <laughs> believing in the constitutional system anymore. It's just well, it's, impossible. It's very, very helpful for you to isolate Spooner over others because I'm one of these people I heard you say on the thing who buys books and does not read them. It's not that I never read books. It's that <laughs> yeah. I am I'm compiling the library for the tunnel. You want to the read them. No, I, I want <laughs> right. to read them. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I read I read a lot of them, but I'll never make a dent, but I always buy the books because I'm afraid that you know there's going to be uh you know an electromagnetic pulse and every <laughs> right. you know all the so I need to have <laughs> Tunnels. And I'm going to get, yeah, and I'm going to get a, um, an English to Chinese dictionary so people of the future can read them. <laughs> I know, I just, I'm collecting them for the tunnels. It's just a joke. Like if there's an apocalypse sure, and of course. we've got nuclear, whatever. And, um, but so things, things that catch my eyes. Yeah. I, so I have so many books. I mean, I probably have hundreds of books that are sold by Mises, you know, by Mises.org mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. So it's, it's very hard to distill what's worth prioritizing so that you can isolate one person. And I will say Bastiat, the law, which is very small, my, and Hazlitt, you mentioned both of those. I called an aunt after my father was dead, and I was like, oh, I wish my father were here. I just this this book, The Law by Bastiat, it's so great. And she said, I will have you know, my dear child, that on our 12th birthday, my father bought every one of our of us their own copy of The Law. And I was like, wow, <laughs> it's genetic. And, and my father gave me Hazlitt economics in one lesson, probably mm -hmm. when I was 12. So those were, wow. I obviously stood the test of time, those two. Uh, and I didn't have the same problem as you, but my father's just a truck driver, so he couldn't mm -hmm. really help me. But, you know, he encouraged me to drop out of school, which I did because he thought I'd become a communist, which I didn't. <laughs> anyway, that's a long story I won't get into, but there was something also very important that you said earlier that you really isolated. You make it seem very easy to actually distinguish this discernment. It's not as easy as you make it sound, and you do it so well. This, this particular thing thing is to separate the legal stuff from the economic stuff. And I, I did not know that I just went through that transformation. And I was going to like give you a heads up ahead of time. Like, I want to talk to you about this. I didn't because it sounded too complicated, but I'm doing it now. I always yeah. call myself an anarcho-capitalist after Murray Rothbard. And right. recently during this time, like, first of all, I gave up completely on this idea that you could restructure, you know, that we could take back the constitution or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I get it. There's no chance. It doesn't, even if you could, it's not, you know, that is not the framework in which you can have true liberty. But I started calling myself a philosophical agorist because I would like to be a real agorist, but I don't have the time. <laughs> and uh, But the agorism part is it takes the capital out of it because capital is so 
abused right now. It's been it's been abused. It's used like the way they're using the money supply to totally sure. destroy every bit of value you've ever contributed. Any right. hope you might have to get a decent wage. Like that's why I hate Kane so much is that I think his whole thing was just a big scam to keep reducing wages without letting people know. You know, like yeah. he said, that sticky wages, which is not to inflate everybody's wages away. What a piece of crap. Sure. So, well, you can so, never know. Yeah. So this capitalism yeah. thing, I don't object. You know, it is. It's a great economic theory. I totally agree with it. Like turn stuff into money and then you can trade so much more easily and you can quantify everything. And, you know, it just really facilitates things. But it's been so grossly abused that I actually want to decouple it from the idea of liberty and choice. Because true liberty, you might have to get rid of that, get outside of that system, not get rid of it, but step outside the capitalist thing altogether because the state has got total control over the, over the origins of the capital right. if you're talking about money. Well, that's the thing, you see, and that's that's the thing about this con- this constant confusion that people have. And I don't mean to make it seem like it's simple to do. I, I think it is a very important distinction to make between political, legal theory, and economic theory. And they just don't do it. And I don't know if it's because those people haven't figured it out themselves. But a guy like Rothbard, he's really not a political theorist. He is an economist. And and you read his stuff, and yeah, he thrives in kind of an in a more of an anarchist kind of world because he doesn't like uh, the government. But like I said, most people who read that stuff, they immediately think the Constitution, and it's it's so difficult to get out of that thinking because it's so prevalent, it's so everywhere. But when I read Spooner, like I said, and it's probably oh man, it's. It's close to 20 years ago that I read Spooner and and I remember, like I said, it was just such a, you know, there's only a few books I've ever really read where I can clearly remember reading the book and thinking, wow, you know, this is a game changer. This is a paradigm shifting book for me and and No Treason, just a very short book like that, an essay really did it and his other books had I knew what to expect at that point, but uh, I can't. I can't recommend people uh, strongly enough that they they need to read a, an essay like that and and see what's there and and see if they can do it objectively. Once they do, then it starts to open your mind to the fact that you know you're being brainwashed about this system for a reason because the system it serves a very small group of people and you bring up this idea that this stuff's there to sort of destroy wages and everything else i think it's an excellent uh, uh point in that it's another example of something that people never give any thought to which is what is money most people still don't even know what that is you know they think it's an app on their phone now if you ask someone under 20 they think it's a number in a bank account they don't understand what money is so that they've been just conditioned to believe that currency is money whatever it is you exchange is supposedly money that's money it's like that's not money you know the, and, and and now of course it's been so long since anyone knew what money was it's like saying i'm a liberal and then having to claim that you know you're a liberal in the you know 19th century sense of a liberal well i'm money i'm talking about an actual 19th century sense of money i'm not talking about what you've got in your wallet and it's another great reason that people need to sit down and see and think about something that's actually fundamental as opposed to wasting their time arguing about whether the Fed policy is correct and yes. understand what the hell money is as opposed to yes. as opposed to that sort of superficial argument. Go deeper. And then once you go deeper and you understand something more fundamental, then you can't be confused so easily. And you I think be that. Confused. I start to worry because there is plenty of libertarian stuff out there. I call them corporate libertarians. They do. They focus on the economic stuff, which I consider to be at this point, I have very little tolerance for it because, <laughs> you know, I feel like, why are we even talking? It's so theoretical. It's and so fake. <laughs> yeah. It's so many levels moved from anything real at this point. Forget the fact that we don't have money. We just get this crazy digital junk, but we just got endless debt and they just run around talking about how we're going to spend just really there and billions there no there's no money like that none of this happens there's not there's no effect from it it's just it's so many levels removed 
And it gets people distracted because it's fun. Right. I'm a numbers person, so I think it's fun. I like the economics. I want to, uh-huh. like, if I if I could retire and do something, I'd get a PhD in economics. But it's complete <laughs> waste, you know, just because it's fun. It's like doing crossword puzzles to me. I, like, like it. Sure. And then I, I, but so when you talk to, like, I like the libertarian thinkers and everything. But to me, I'm like, you know what? We're, I need to learn how to grow a chicken because I really do not know, you know, learning, knowing what's wrong with the Fed, being able to articulate that isn't really going to be that useful because this stuff, it's just, yeah, it's just become it is. meaningless. You know, most people, when they're talking about these kinds of things, if, if it's not just habit, there's a tremendous amount of simply habit in people's behavior and what they talk about, read, think about. It's just pure habit. And, and they don't even realize that. But there's another issue, and that is these people... A lot of people pretend to be interested intellectually that I get involved with. And really, all they want is a way to figure out how to make some more money. That's that's really all they're interested in. They, they, they act like they have an interest in all these different... All they're really trying to figure out is, how do I make money with this? <laughs> is this going to go up? Is it going to go down? Do I need to get involved in this business or that business? That's all they're really trying to figure out. And I got nothing against that. I'm just saying that if, if you're not clear in your own mind about what your real purpose is, are you just actually inter- interested in this because you're trying to figure out how to make money? Well, then no good. don't get bogged down certain details. Are you actually interested in intellectual uh, uh, pursuit. Okay, well, then maybe you also don't want to get bogged down in those kinds of details. But people just can't seem to, they can't sort it out. And I really think it, it, uh, there's a tremendous amount of it goes back to the fact that everybody's brain is just cluttered all the time with constant, I mean, constant stimulation, just all the time. And if you think about the way people live from most of uh, human history, even in the history we're given, they just kind of walked around. They talked to somebody. They spent a lot of time with animals. Maybe they pounded on a shoe or they, they, they did something as a blacksmith or they, the women were like sitting there canning something or pulling up a vegetable or something. You weren't just constantly being bombarded with all this information. They had time to just, reflect. And now right. there's no time to reflect to develop that deeper understanding standing and broader perspective. Exactly. I mean, just think about just some standard thing. Say you lived half an hour outside of town. Okay, that's not significantly different than a half hour commute, except that when you did your half hour, you walked, or maybe you had a half hour in a carriage, you were interacting with an animal, or you were walking and you were looking at nature. You didn't have the radio on. You right. weren't getting bombarded with all sorts of crap. You you didn't have some you checking the news and getting bombarded with commercials and all this crap. It was silence. You were out in nature. Right. And you noticed the weather and whether it was raining, what kind of time of year it was, or where the sun was setting this time of year, and you noticed you noticed those things. You were connected. Now it's total disconnect. It's gone. And the shower right now <laughs> for most people is the last place where they actually have a second to think and pretty soon there'll be screens in our <laughs> showers as well. Well, they got, the, they got the shower for your radio, the radio for yeah. your shower. They got that. It's Christmas. It makes a great Christmas gift. <laughs> Get it and just bombard your spouse or girlfriend yeah. Tired with of endless crap in the while they're in there. <laughs> Get it. Yeah. Screens in your shower. That's true. I did always make my kids turn the phone off when we were in the car. It's like, I always did my best thinking looking out the window, but my father's a truck driver, so We'd be in the, you know, we'd be in the quote car for 10 hours straight. Right. And, and it was great. I mean, I saw the whole entire country. I would, I still have vivid memories of in the night seeing the, the roads just snake Take up a walk. Hills and, Take yes, a walk. If you look there. at the great thinkers, <laughs> you look at some of the stuff they say in their diaries and journals and stuff, they took long walks. There's something about being a human being because we're designed to walk around a lot. It stimulates my mind, at least, in a very different way. And I take a lot of walks barefoot out in the field so I can sort of ground myself. And they're very, very satisfying. And no, I don't bring something to listen to an iPod or I don't bring my phone. I just go take a walk. And it's just, I bet, I, I wonder what portion of people have sat down and even spent an entire afternoon just out taking a walk, laying on the grass, enjoying the sunshine, and just having their own mind sort of settle. It just doesn't happen anymore. You mentioned grounding. That's actually a, a technique called grounding that you, right. you 
He must know, yeah. You make fist with oh, your yeah. toes, as they would say in Die Hard, except you do it in the grass outside, and it has it has benefits to you. Uh, increases oh, yeah. Your mood. Uh, I've got their sheet. I've had that sheet. I sleep on it for years. It's very noticeable. And, uh, you know, the sheet is plugged into the uh, the negative portion of your outlet, and it's grounded with the, the silver. Uh, it's Silver is, is worked into the fabric. You put so the you sheet on your bed, and it it's connects underneath you to the you. earth? You sleep on top of it. Yes. What oh, sheet never is heard this again? This. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can just get it. It's a, just you can just anyone can Google grounding it's sheet. It's Christmas. Oh. Oh, I want yeah. that. I don't want That's way better than radio. a shower radio. <laughs> 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 or maybe you could get the the fun pajamas. Yay! Just some stupid crap. They have like the contraption <laughs> that you put around your neck and it folds up <laughs> and you put the screen right in front of your face so you can go right. hands free. There you go. Get a selfie uh, wand. Oh get, just, uh, get something helpful. Yeah, those grounding sheets, they're great. And, really? you know, they, they make wow. them so that you can have grounding mat at your desk where you take oh, yeah. your uh, uh, your shoes wow. off and put them I on there. I've never heard of this. Earth? So, yeah. yeah, it's cool. So here's a couple of things. So I feel like I've got some really great pieces of <clears throat> stuff to reflect on and do. I'm going to get no trees and immediately. And I am going to get <laughs> I, back I just to walking. ordered it. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's ordered while we're sitting here talking. I really have um, this. I've just been neglecting my uh, walking the dogs and stuff, but I'm, I'm totally going to get back to that. But there, and I, at this point, those two pieces of <clears throat> advice, let's call them, but ideas <laughs> or whatever, what you do is enough for me. But I did want to ask you something specific sure. about some of the things I listened to you because we are living in the world still and you point out that that it this thing is uh, our system is even if it were theoretically feasible it's not scalable to this level and we need decentralization we need to stick together maybe wake up is there do you feel like you could identify in not a complete fantasy world something that may actually be realistic just brainstorming here like what might be a first step. What do you envision? Like people congregating outside church when we're allowed to go back to church or, you know, give me one idea. I don't know like how you get you through think. to people, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. nothing can happen if you don't get through to people. Once you get through to people, solutions are easy. And it's really yes. hard to get through to people because their minds are closed. And if... Anything that can get through to people, I, I always find that if you're if we're talking about how to get through to people, if we're talking about logistical things, you know, the, no, you just start, any you idea. Start, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it's 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 about the hearts and minds. You have to get people to be open to it, and sometimes that requires some kind of personal crisis the person goes through. Where then they think, wow, hold on, I really got blindsided by that. Some people who are naturally open-minded, but I've also found that a huge portion of people are simply unreachable and they're not ready for it. You can you can sort of plant a seed and I find that to be most effective by asking questions. Just find something they might be interested in and ask them kind of a question that they've probably never thought about in that area. And that kind of turns them, you know, like, oh, how many people do you think it would take in order to to have the same value of your vote, which you think is such a big deal? How many representatives do you think it would take? And and most people have no clue that they, you know, they just, it's not something they've ever thought <laughs> yeah. about. It's and something like 30,000 just to get back to where we were when 40, it started. 40,000 <laughs> on just the basic demographics. And that does not include all of the additional powers the government has. I mean, 40,000 is just, if you just do the math, that's pretty much where we are. And I really think it could be higher because so few people could vote. But as far as trying to get people to do stuff, I... You know, there's people in my own family I can't convince to do Jack. I just can't. And so I don't think it's a matter of of me not having a good message. It's not a matter of you not having a good message. It's a matter of there's a lot of people who are not open to hearing it. And you have to you have to try to focus on the people who are open to hearing it. That's why I probably block more people than anybody else on Twitter. <laughs> I block people all the damn time because I'm not going to have people in my in my Twitter sphere and in my TL. I'm just not going to have them in there who are obviously their minds aren't open. They just want to argue and talk about the same crap. I've already been down that road. No, thank you. I don't need them cluttering it up and spend my time on the people who might actually be able to open their minds because we don't need everybody. 
<laughs> we really don't. Uh, you don't need that many people to catch on. Imagine if just one, now you're never going to get it, but imagine if just one single governor, when all this stupid crap had broken out, had stood up and spoken the truth and held his ground. <laughs> the world would be so totally different. Imagine if one attorney general in any of these states had stood up and stood his ground. Not only would people love him in the state, they could become hugely famous, assuming they weren't killed. They, they, would, they would make a huge difference. You don't know what, who someone might know, who they might be connected to. You just don't know. And really, I just think about in my state in Texas, if our governor, who's not a good guy, he's never going to do it. But if he stood up and just said, look, this Corona crap, whatever the hell's going on with it, we don't have authority to lock people down like this. We don't have authority to do any of these things. And we're not going to do any of these things. And we're going to have a public trial. And we're going to bring people in. And we're not going to cave to the pressure. And I'm getting pressure all the time. about If just one person would do that, who's actually got a voice. Exactly. Make a big that, difference. That's a fantastic point. I've always found more success with one-on-one -on -one conversations, which they're trying to completely prevent right now. But a lot yes. of people have this mentality of how are we going to take down this globalist, world-dominating power superstructure? I'm like, well, if that's the goal, then you're not going to do that. <laughs> right. You're one person. But what you can do and, and what you can do is what is more effective to focus on is you can get one person to ask more questions and to think more critically and right. to be more open-minded about what they previously believed. And if tho those kind of goals are achievable goals that can actually have an impact, because you're right, you never know who you might get to question things that might have broad influence. You don't know. You don't know who they're who they're the nephew of. You don't know who they're who who you know their mother went to school with. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know who they're connected to. You look at that whatever it is four degrees of separation kind of thing, and that's why you know things like your show. You know, I try to do my show, and the reality is we do them in a black box for the most part, and. You don't know who you're reaching, but I get a lot of, uh, you know, emails and inside my account and I get Twitter all the time. And I'm always surprised at how many people like, like that guy I was telling you about, I did his show this morning. He's over in Great Britain. I mean, who would have thought some Canadian expat living in Great Britain. Now he's got a show. I mean, he's, he's impacted by it. Well, you don't know who he might be connected to. And the, that's the reality. That's how something has to change. It has to be people supporting other people and don't waste your time with the people whose minds are closed, who are already convinced they already know. You're not going to be able to switch their mind. You're not going to. They may come back later. Okay, maybe they come back later when their mind's more open. Great. Uh, no problem. But I'm not going to beat my head against a wall with one person trying to convince them to supposedly prove I'm right. I already know that I'm as right as I can be right now. And I've already been through all of the things they're telling me. Unlike them, that's the big difference between someone like me, you, uh, we have already gone through, we've evolved through the sort of liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, libertarian, this, and now we've, we've moved on because we knew those arguments, but now we know those arguments, they don't hold water against this argument, as opposed to the people who are convinced. They're just frozen in a time before, in an earlier stage, and that's why I don't waste time arguing with people who are stuck in those stages, because I've already been through all those arguments, and I let them know. I used to believe the exact same thing. It's just not true. And you, you can either open your mind to the fact that it's not true, or you can continue being deluded. That's it. That's your option. If you want to learn, I'm happy to give you some advice. I'm happy to point you in the right direction, but I'm not going to try to convince you because it's not possible anyway. I'll tell you, the thing that makes me most convinced that there is hope in that way, because like the idea that a public official could actually stand up, right. I feel like the fact that they're not, that not one did it, that things are more controlled even than we have realized Imagine. up to this point. What happened this <laughs> year is just even shocked me and I'm about as cynical as possible. But the thing that convinces me that what you're saying is true about opening minds is that some of those people who you block, <clears throat> probably a lot of them are trolls, like paid trolls or For whatever, sure. like professionals. So the fact that there are people out there who, so I used to get a kind of a fair amount was on, when I was on terrestrial radio, but I really didn't think much about the podcast because I'm just preaching to the choir was my thought. Like how many mm -hmm. minds am I really changing? Then when I started to see that kind of troll activity now, I was like, wow. So 
so we really are right <laughs> getting noticed i didn't know that because i just enjoyed making the connections like you say about twitter i love i wasn't gonna stop because i like it but to have to then all of a sudden be like oh i guess this does make a difference i had no yeah, idea you can reach some people you can and it's not like as soon as someone says something i disagree i block them that's not i'm extremely no easy no the going. people who are wasting your time antagonistically yes. yeah yeah right so, i mean i tell them something they ask me a question i answer it they simply ask me another question Okay, well, that's now. Now you're not being legitimate. If you ask me a question and and I explain, then you should be like, "Oh, wow, okay," and and actually take that in. But they don't. They just go on to some other thing they to supposedly the prove is what they do. Yeah, that's yeah. all they do. They're just constantly changing. It's like I just tell them, "Look, you know, you need to go deal with someone who likes to do that or who who's, doesn't <laughs> yeah. not very familiar with Twitter." I mean, you're just never, ever, ever going to suck me into that because I've been down this road a thousand times, and there's no way you're going to get me tangled up. I just know the issues too well. It's not going to happen, and I don't waste my time with those people. And, if, and once I tell someone something like that, if they continue, well, then I just block them. Because if they're serious about actually maybe wanting to be hanging around and maybe actually learning, then they're not just going to keep going. If I tell those people, look, you're welcome to believe whatever you want. I'm not here to try to convince you. When they keep coming back at me, well, that's just a troll. It's a time waster. I've had those experiences where I'll say genuinely, I never like get cynical like that. I will always keep going. Binkley thinks it's funny because that's when I would short circuit people because I would say, hey, like, I don't even care if you're a troll. You're a voter, probably. Let's have a conversation. And they would freak out. And I will to this day, I'll say, hey, like what you're asking isn't a 280 character thing. We could not go back and forth. I can direct you some to some blog posts that I've written or some books that are really go. interested in the answer. And a lot of times you do get people just short circuiting. I don't know. They're maybe out of their league, whatever their troll level was, was just to pepper right. you with time wasters. I don't know. <laughs> but it will shut people up. I, I just can't be that combative but no, yeah monica maybe. won over a troll who used to call into the show every week and he had the most distinct voice that you heard in your life there's no i mean you know who this person you knew is who he was. and he would give a different name every single yes, time it was so funny <laughs> to the point where i would accidentally we might have told him this to the point where i accidentally call him his real name sometimes <laughs> you know like his name was paul and yeah. i would call him like he'd say i'm peter i'm michael and right. say listen I can, you know yeah. paul you know last time we talked he's like I, it's peter it's i uh, and i'm like oh sorry whatever peter. we see the same phone number <laughs> popping up every he was week. totally a troll and then eventually uh, like he got totally cordial instead of arrogant it was really funny so it there is, are there did. are human beings under it all i doubt he was paid but so right. so i feel like we have some great takeaways it's always a joy to talk to you legal man was there anything that you wanted you know that was on your mind or that that was sprung up in this conversation no. that you wanted to get to Ah, no. You know, I mean, there are, it was it was a great conversation. It flowed properly. So, this, you know, and well, we cluttered up. There's always going to be uh, a whole nother hour or two or five as <laughs> as even, you know, even though this stuff is so boring, like the COVID thing over and over again, the election thing over and over again, it, it does. I mean, I literally became. You know, my philosophy, ideology, outlook totally transformed over this experience this year because, mm-hmm. you know, thinking does have value. They really cannot. That's another hope of mine is that the elite, the cold, soulless elite, and even these people who just want to figure stuff out to make money, which is like isn't even possible anymore unless you <laughs> are willing to get into the mind of the cold, soulless elite, which to me is soulless. <laughs> that even, you know, that they don't really understand like the power of uh, you know, the complexity of the human mind and spirit. And, and even in this where we can still grow and maybe that's you know, the conversation for the next time. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, good. Well, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, hopefully people will listen to you and me and, uh, and, oh, know, maybe and we can change some minds. Tell people how to find you. And I will oh, yeah, just go to loving your, um, your new, your Patreon stuff. Okay, well, the easiest way is just people should just my, – my podcast is called The Quash, and it's available pretty much all these podcast players. I don't know all the details, but anywhere you get a podcast, you can get mine. And uh, I suggest people just go listen to it. And if they enjoy it, I, I let people know about my Patreon in there. And, and if they want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review. I'm relatively active on Twitter. And so those are probably the two easiest ways if they have an interest to sort of 
familiarize themselves with me and what I actually do with my show. So, well, I dish with you a plenty on Twitter. So if people want to find me at Monica Perez Show, Binkley at Freedom Max Radio, we can. Yes. We'll catch you there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I always see you on Twitter, and then I see yep. you here periodically. And I really, right. I always have fun, so I appreciate it. Y'all have, we'll if have I don't a, see you guys, yeah. uh, if I don't hear from you, you guys have a great, uh, I don't know if you celebrate Christmas or what you celebrate. Uh, I'm a Christmas uh, person. Okay, it's always become, it's become so complicated now. <laughs> I'm like, really oh. offended you even brought it up. Personally. Right. I used to I used to do the happy the Mary Ramahana Kwanzamas. That was the greeting I gave people. Try to suck all of them in, <laughs> and uh, so I never know. But you guys have a great holiday, and have, if I don't talk to you between now and then, you too. Thanks, yeah, thanks okay. so much, and care, a guys. happy new year. There Later. you go. Talk to you then, legal man. <laughs> Take care. See y'all later.